Colonial virus is why I can't live. Colonial virus is why I can't breathe. Colonial virus, yo, that thing gotta go. We don't wanna have to deal with this virus no more. Uhuru! Welcome to the People's War Radio Show. I'm Dr. Matsamela Odom. And I'm Wambi Tangu. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. Today's episode is entitled Black August and the Fight for Political Prisoners. Our guests today are anti-prison activists and Black is Back Coalition members, Belinda Parker-Brown and Ralph Pointer. On August 15th and 16th, the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations is holding an online conference entitled Fight for Black Power, Free All Political Prisoners. The conference is also part of a month-long celebration known as Black August. Black August has two important components, remembrance and resistance. In Black August, we remember the martyrs in the fight for African liberation and honor the history of revolutionary struggle. Over 1.5 million African men are in prisons and jails in the U.S. Nearly every African family is impacted by a family member or friend in prison. The U.S. prison system is 10 times the level it was in 1970. More African men are behind bars in 2020 than were enslaved in 1850. The growth of the U.S. prison population was part of the counterinsurgency war that has stolen scores of African and indigenous revolutionaries. We hold up the names of these heroic freedom fighters. Matulu Shakur, Jamil Alamin, formerly known as H. Rat Brown, Mamiya Abu Jamal, Jalil Mutakim, Edward Poindexter, Linward Peltier, Jan Lamin, Aziz Abdul, and Sundiata Okolai, formerly known as Clark Squire, the longest held of all political prisoners. Okolai has been held captive by the colonial prison system since 1973. Over half of the 4,000 inmates at San Quentin State Prison in California's San Francisco Bay Area have now tested positive for COVID-19. 11 prisoners have died. Almost 9,000 prisoners in California prison system have tested positive. California has a state prison population of 131,000. Africans have the highest rates of imprisonment in California, and though Africans are only 6% of the state, we comprise 27% of the prison population. In California, 3,036 of every 100,000 Africans are behind bars. That is a rate eight times greater than whites in California. Throughout the United States, the COVID-19 pandemic has raised the demand for the release of incarcerated Africans. We welcome to today's show, Belinda Parker Brown, a revolutionary from Slidell, Louisiana, and founder of Louisiana United International Incorporated, the civil, constitutional, and human rights organization, especially committed to eliminating unlawful discrimination in that state, and a particular focus on the violent abuse of prisoners in Angola prison. Indeed, she helps fight against racism, capitalism, and imperialism, and is a member of the Black is Back Coalition for Peace, Justice, and Reparations. And through her affiliation with the Jericho Movement, 
works to free African political prisoners deemed to be prisoners of war. We also have the honor of hosting a giant in the struggle for justice who has been on the front lines of anti-colonial, anti-imperialist, revolutionary struggle for the upward of 50 years. He has fought for community control of schools and was a founder of the Teachers Freedom Party Caucus of the United Federation of Teachers, a union for public school teachers in New York City. He is a co-founder of the New Abolitionist Movement and served as chair of the Lynn Stewart Organization, in which he fought for the release of political prisoners and his late wife and comrade Lynn Stewart, a lawyer who defended African and Arab activists, was incarcerated during the last years of her life as a part of the U.S. counterinsurgency program. You've been involved in this work for social justice and the liberation of African people for many years. What is the situation for African people in prisons across the U.S., and especially for African political prisoners? And why have you taken up their cause? Belinda, can you go first? You know, it's time for us to really get to the root cause of why the United States, with over 2.3 million people incarcerated, has the largest prison population in anywhere else in the world. The, the rate of wrongful convictions um, has been estimated to be between 2% to 10%. I believe that 90% of the people that are in prison really should not be there. So it's time for the world to know the truth about what's really going on. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody know about it. That prison is big money. So let's get to the root cause of why, especially when it comes to black and brown men being incarcerated in a corrupt criminal justice system and I'm saying that Louisiana is first in this curse because we had a racist Jim Crow law that would put a person in prison and give them 25 years to life for smoking a joint, for snatching a purse. Now, this is wrong. Mass incarceration is wrong. Putting people in prison and making slaves out of them, working them for four cents a day and making somebody billionaires is wrong, and it's time for us to have a public outcry. Thank you. What about you, Ralph? Many years ago, 1957, I began teaching school. By 1962, there were people who felt that I should join the organization to stop the prison industrial complex. When I examined the problem of the prison industrial complex, I understood that it rested on the backs of miseducation. And so I began there. And from working to improve education for children in our oppressed communities, I began to realize how correct I was. For the system has no intention of educating our children because we know education and slavery are incompatible. Frederick Douglass told us that a long time ago. And so when you work to educate our people about their lives, the reality of the politics of their life, the reality of capitalism and how it affects their life, corrupt capitalism, organized uh, corruption, organized thievery, 
is what I always called capitalism, uh, I gained the attention of the system. When you gain the attention of the system, you know you're doing something right. I ended up in jail in 1969, but it was due to the work to improve the education of our children, to improve our understanding of our own history, and control of the economics of education. It's an ed education industrial system. And the money comes into communities through education, roads, and hospitals. But our monies are run by other people all over the country in the inner city. The Democratic Party has controlled the education. And where are we? We have young people who have no choice but to go into a life of crime to earn a living. Now, many of those crimes are economic crimes, but if you are guilty of an economic crime, you're punished 10 times worse than if you were white involved in an economic crime. And so this is one of the reasons why so many of our brothers and sisters are in the death camps. And this is the reason why we have political prisoners, those people who looked at the system, understood what it did, and then worked to do something against it, became political prisoners, captured combatants, those who understood that you fight fire with fire. You cannot expect the system to change based on morality. There is no morality in capitalism. We have to fight to exist. Everything on the planet, every life practices self-defense. And when we forget this reality, when we forget those of us who practice this reality, when we forget our warriors, we will soon be history. People will say there were people of color on this planet. And so we must protect and support our political prisoners because we must support everyone who supports us. And they supported us more than anyone else. They gave up their lives. And it's time for we, the people, people who call themselves of conscience, people who call themselves progressive, people who call themselves moral, must act to free all of our political prisoners. We definitely want to thank you for that answer and thank you so much for being a part of this show, comrade. Um, you've been involved in uh, several aspects of the struggle. And, um, you know, as you're saying, you've been fighting against this prison system, you know, for decades. Um, can you tell us about any specific um, cases around the time when you did get started um, that really, uh, you know, kind of yes. defined or pronounced your activism? Yes. In the early years, I guess this is before you, your time, you sound like a young man. It was educational law that parents <laughs> were not allowed to know the math and reading scores of their schools. And when they would go in to complain about the education that their children weren't getting, the schools told them everyone else is learning. It's just your child that's not learning. Now, I knew that was wrong, but I also knew it was against the law 
to produce the math and reading scores of schools and districts. And when I did the first time produce the math and reading scores of a particular school, I was fired. Well, the people in Harlem fought and got me back. So the following year, I sent to the newspapers the math and reading scores of not only the school I was teaching in, but two districts, District 5 and District 6. These are black and brown communities in Harlem. And I was fired again. And we fought again. And I got back. And soon after that, it, it, the law changed. And now you know every time you go to school, you can look at the reading scores or the math scores of that school. And you can go in and say why your child isn't up to par. And it, um, this was, um, these figures were printed in five of the New York City newspapers, including the New York Times. And so when I realized how this system was protected for the people who came in through the system, the people who were members of the colonial um, element, they took the money out and our children missed out on their education or they were miseducated worse and they were left without skills, knowledge or information and they had no place to go but prison. So it's a part of a system. The systems lack accountability and we said no more. We want accountability for our children but we also understand that no other people on the planet allow other people, someone else, to educate their children. And if it is one of the examples a wonderful political friend of mine gave, he says, in Israel, there was a very intelligent uh, professor, very powerful, but would the Israelis allow a Palestinian no matter how intelligent, no matter how helpful, no matter how peaceful, educate their children? And the answer is no. So how is that that we allow others not only to miseducate our children, but to take all the money? And many years ago, I was accused of being a racist. And I says, no, 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 you have it wrong. What we want in our community is effective teachers. We want the money from the education budget, the national and the local educational budget to be controlled by people who are interested in educating our children. And this was criminal conduct as the system interpreted. And so um, prison seats are determined by the third grade reading failures. This is a reality. When your child fails in school in third grade, then they build a seat in prison for him. And so this slave system continues through the back door, but as Sister Belinda Parker Brown states, it's slavery nonetheless. And so uh, education, as I started off with, as suggested by Frederick Douglass, is incompatible with oppression and slavery. And so 
we struggle hard for education. We struggle hard to free the people who understood these realities and reacted according to what human conduct is supposed to be. And now you see the years that many of our brothers and sisters have spent in the death camps. Let's be clear. They're in the death camps. Let's be clear about our language. It is not a police force. It is an army of occupation who exist in our community to intimidate our people, to intimidate struggles of liberation, like we were just talking about, Sister Belinda Parker Brown, the education struggle in the city of New York, all around the country. Community controls was put off the black, was one part of the Black Panther demands when they spoke of political power. And it was about money. If you recognize how much money goes into miseducating our children, all you have to do is stop and think if it were in the hands of people of goodwill who intended, let me say that again, people of goodwill, I never said anything about color, people of goodwill who will educate our children are welcome and wanted, and I'm going to add to that, many people of goodwill who joined our struggle were accused of what is the word for it? Failing their white comrades. And so they paid a price. I state once again, we want people in our community to educate our children. And it's the public money for education is economic power in every American city but the power is transferred to contracts that are handed out by the political parties in charge with no interest or intent upon educating our children. But what can one expect as a colonial? And colonial education is merely to be a colonial administrator and follow the dictates of the system that is the colonial power, and we say the system that is the colonial power in America is the American government, because all we are in our black communities are colonies within continental United States, and all of the rules of colonial power and activity are practiced in our community. And like Kamala Harris, will be just like Obama, and it will be the black race card is played against us. They are not on our side, and we must recognize this reality. And so when people start talking about color, that is their issue. Our issue is justice and education. Justice for all. I think that's what they say in the pledge uh, of, of, of Pledge of Allegiance, freedom and justice for all. We demand it. And our political demand, our political prisoners, those who fought for freedom and justice for all, are in the death camps, and we must free them, for they are of us. 
They are of the people, and we dare not fail them. And uh, if you go over the names that you went over before, uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, a lesson in, in correct pronunciation. The Black Misleadership class voted for the crack cocaine legislation that led to the slavery that we see today. And so when you get Obama, you know, another person of the Black Leadership class, we have Kamala Harris, whose history proves who she is, whose Obama's history proved who he was, what who he was. And the first thing he did was to condemn Black men, and that told me he wasn't as half as smart as people said he was, because you cannot talk about responsibilities without talking about freedom. There's a responsibility flows both ways. A responsibility to the system, and the system has to have responsibility to you. But Mr. Obama never said that. He just says black men do not take care of their responsibilities. Let's start with the government you're leading. And the moment somebody says, well, Mr. Obama, now you're black, give us some support. He says, well, I'm president of all of the people. And if you look at the history of Kamala Harris, you're going to see the same thing. She is white imperialism in a black face, the same as President Obama was. And if we want to be, if we don't want to be in the same place in eight years or in four years later, we must begin to support the truth. Power in the history of the world is fought out of the barrel of a gun with education. And so we must educate ourselves. And when they say, are you advocating armed struggle? I say, I am advocating whatever you force me to do to become free and free our people. The attack on the Black Revolution has been consistent since the 60s. And Black organists came out of the resistance in prisons during the 1970s. What is the significance of Black August in understanding the attack on Black people in America? The attack on Black people started way before the 60s. The attack on Black people began when the Europeans got to Africa. And it continued. And when we see Nat Turner, uh, Denmark, Basie, and there's a list. Uh, John Brown, the list goes on forever. People fighting for freedom. We are just, this is today, Harriet Tubman of yesterday. We have the people who are, who are in the death camps today are among the list of those who fought um, for freedom for all people. Ida B. Wells, and I'm going to switch over to Uh, Belinda Parker Brown's struggle. In the 20s, Ida B. Wells is talking about lynching of black businessmen, tried to get it a federal law, and they're still doing it. And Sister Belinda Parker Brown can tell you how nothing has changed because we have allowed this situation to continue where we are nothing but tools for the system And when we refuse to be tools for the system, we are oppressed by that same system. Think, if you will, 
of a place like Tulsa, Oklahoma, where people joined this system, became successful at the system. They became so successful that white hatred and jealousy ended up creating a situation where Tulsa was burned to the ground. And one of the last of the survivors died, I guess, about a year ago. And so we understand People understand the struggle and people fought in the struggle and we must hold up our end in our history when we're gone. Did we take the challenge of our generation? And every generation has to accept the challenge of liberation and our challenge is to free our political prisoners. And I wanna see more people who know the names of our political prisoners, who understand their history, who understand their families, who understand the terror that they fought in America to bring justice to all of the people. They have suffered and they should suffer no longer. COVID-19, they're doing it um, in spades. This is a way, this is the death camp they send you to. We are on a death march and I understand the schools in black communities are about to open. For example, in New York, Governor Cuomo says the schools are open. In, in Florida, they say the schools are open. I say it's the death march of our children going back to school. For in the white communities, they have the money to practice the proper protocols for opening up the school. In the black communities, there are no protocols. The air conditioning systems uh, were obsolete and dirty over the years. Are they going to clean those systems? Are they going to use money to make it better? My dear friends, I fear the answer. But we can do what we can do. And I think the first thing we must do is to recognize that the struggle, the war against us is continuing. But we must remember Anyone in America who resists any resistance, earth first resistors, animal first resistors, political resistors, economic resistors, we become a potential political prisoner. So we better, along with this Black Lives Matter, Black political existence matters. And if you're not talking about that, you're whistling Dixie. And so let's stop this whistling of Dixie. Let's talk to those who have these nonsense uh, statements. Hands up, don't shoot. Uh, Black Lives Matter with no uh, demands behind it. And one of the demands I'd like to go to the, uh, the Black Lives Matter group that has all of the money that was donated for Black Lives Matter to say we're going to give some of that money to support political prisoners. They're, they have a hundred million dollars to walk around saying Black Lives Matter. What's that mean? I don't know. Nobody else knows either. They talk about defunding a bloated budget of the police. It doesn't mean anything if they defund the police. They can send a few armored vehicles back to the National Guard, take a few rifles, they had too many already. It would mean nothing. We must end this control of our community 
by outsiders. Now, that doesn't cure everything automatic because you know we have people in our community do the man's will, but if they're in our community and they are close, that makes a different relationship than somebody who is a thousand miles away, somebody who's in Washington full of the strings. And when these people are here and the institutional power comes to the city, we have a chance to make people understand what it can be done, what can be done. And when we're there, that will represent Black power in a real sense, Black economic control of their education system. And, if you, and the, the army of occupation isn't going to go home just because you'd like them to go home. We have, uh, and I'm going to let Belinda Parker Brown talk about uh, Louisiana. The situation in Louisiana is outrageous. And so, um, as I said, uh, stop me when I've had enough, when you feel there's enough, because as you see, this is what I do. Um, this is who I am. This is what I recognize. Our dear sister, Lynn Stewart, all she did was stood up for the truth for a Muslim. Now that she has passed, now that Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman has passed, we all know there was no uh, connection between Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman and uh, terrorism in America. He had no interest in America. His interest was in fighting the Egyptian corrupt colonial administration for his people. The only thing they found them guilty of was not reporting the agent that the FBI had on payroll. And when he would, the agent would suggest something, Sheikh Omar would say, no, that's not good for Israel. No, find something else. And finally they said, yeah, but you didn't tell us. And when Lynn Stewart says, well, we'll bring in an expert on religion to show that a Sheikh is the same as a priest. You confess to a priest, the priest tells you no, but the priest doesn't turn you into the police. This was the same, but the judge right. denied it. And then they put her in jail for assisting a terrorist. They defunded the, the police, as they called it, the Army of Occupation in Minnesota and hired private security. Minneapolis, I mean. And so what are we talking about here? We have to use the correct terms. We have to speak plainly. We have to speak clearly. We have to educate our people. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our show today is entitled Black August and the Fight for Political Prisoners. Our guests are anti-prison activists and Black is Back Coalition members, Belinda Parker Brown and Ralph Pointer. Can you tell our listeners about the case of Imam Jamil Alami? H. Rap Brown began his career in the inner cities uh, with Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Torre in the 60s, and then he continued um, in his struggle and then left the country when he felt he could do the struggle best or, or forward the struggle best from Africa. Jalil Alamin changed his name, went to Atlanta, uh, started, he, he changed his religion and started a mosque. And when he was teaching 
uh, it created a problem for the system. And so as he traveled around uh, creating mosques and creating uh, religious uh, communities, the system went after him. And um, Sophia Bendeli uh, started the Jericho movement. I believe it was in the early 70s. Uh, we could look that up, but she is also a hardworking political activist in, in New York. And, uh, and so this is like a New York question. Uh, and it's an old question when you talk about Jaleel Alameen or H. Rap Brown and his trial and what he stood for and uh, the organization of uh, Jericho is a uh, Northeast organization. It started in the Northeast and now it is nationwide uh, and we're hoping to expand it worldwide. The Jericho movement to free political prisoners and we must learn from political prisoners because I was just thinking of a case today when um, Leonard Peltier was in the same prison as Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman. He used his phone call to call Bill Consular and Lynn Stewart to say they are oppressing your client out here in Minnesota uh, and you'd better get out here. This shows that Leonard Peltier was long in jail before Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman came to America, but he understood political prisoners and those who fight for justice and our political prisoners in our death camps are united. We must learn what political prisoners know. So I, I just want to introduce um, Dr. Zena Crenshaw that's here with me today because I think it's very important that we know that political prisoners is very serious, especially when it comes to the state of Louisiana and, and America, period. And I think that we need to, you know, to bring some information, you know, to this conversation in regards to what's happening right now in our prison population, you know, in regards to political prisoners. Right now, I consider myself to be up on this, you know, some real serious criminal acts that's taking place right now on my life because we're exposing this corrupt system that imprisoned people wrongfully. And so when we look at the fact that here in Louisiana, the wrongful convictions of people, you know, how devastating that is. And when we look at why people are trapped and they use the, 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 the prisons and the criminal, the corrupt system to imprison people um, and cause people to become political prisoners because they have the power to use a corrupt system to do that. So I, I just want to introduce um, Dr. Zena Crenshaw. What happens is you go from the miseducation to the role of organized U.S. legal system abuse. And with regard to political prisoners, that's when um, organized legal system abuse is, is, is its most blatant. And you're really just talking about the classic weaponization of the legal system. 
So you start with a miseducation and, and then it starts um, with policing uh, policies and then you come into the court system and you have this orchestrated um, result-oriented uh, way of um, uh, supposedly applying the law of this country and and you result the end result is what we're seeing today you asked earlier about the situation of african americans in prisons across this country and you 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 what you have is the neglect and the deliberate abuse of, of people who are incarcerated in this country is just to the level it can't be described it, it, it's probably an understatement to describe it as inhumane um, you, you, the exploitation is, is at the level of that is fair to characterize it as slavery. And then with the COVID-19, um, Louisiana United International just this last re week um, was compelled to report to the United Nations or the Office uh, of Genocide Pre uh, Prevention that we are very much at the risk of genocide because of the way our country is responding to the COVID-19 um, pandemic. And so relate all of that to the political prisoners. We have all these other obstacles that we had to contend with and, 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 and even beginning to, to, to make a case and, and, and wage a fight, an effective fight for their liberation. And now it's been complicated by the fact that they're literally living in death chambers and every passing day puts them closer to not surviving, to actually face death through uh, an agonizing illness, the COVID-19 infection. Uhuru, thank you for that. Uh, Dr. Crenshaw and uh, Belinda, you are both in Louisiana. Louisiana is home to Angola State Prison. Can you tell us about your struggles with Angola State Prison and the abuses there? Angola was known as one of the worst prisons in the world and the most bloodiest prison in the world. And, and yes, it is a, a, a slave plantation. We have over 7,000 inmates. And right now, even before the COVID-19, Angola was one of the worst prisons that anybody could go to, okay? Um, and, and they're using that as a quarantine headquarters for the COVID-19. So, you know... Um, when you have a hundred men to a dome, you know, two less than two feet apart, and you got the COVID-19, this is horrific is what's taking place right now. And I believe here in the state of Louisiana that we have the governor that is violating human rights. He knows that he has executive powers to order control evacuation and he's sitting back letting the fox guard the hen house because he wants um, the, 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 the Department of Corrections and all these other auxiliaries and, and, and different ones, you know, groups and, 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 and different people that are, you know, basically a part of his administration in regards to how you know, they're going to protect and, 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 and save the people from dying inside of the prison, which I really believe that they don't intend to do that because of the fact that, you know, um, we don't know what they're doing. They, they lied to us. That's, that's one of the things that we know for sure, because what they're saying is not what the inmates and the loved ones 
of the people that are incarcerated are saying. And anytime we get a report of eight people died at one time in one of the prisons here in the state of Louisiana, and the warden dies, and the medical director dies, all from the COVID-19, this is serious. And we're saying that it's nothing other than genocide because of the fact that we don't know what they're doing and we need a public outcry. Dr. Zena, would you also speak to that? There needs to be pressure on the political system to do its job. As Ms. Melinda pointed out, these governors have always had the power to, uh, to bring about these controlled evacuations. They don't need court orders. They don't need uh, permission from other executive branch leaders or legislators. They've always had the ability to, to uh, bring about this, this controlled evacuation. And uh, as far as I can determine, it's only been Louisiana United International that has called for evacuations using that executive um, branch power. Um, we hear through major media, they're giving us the impression that uh, this, this, this response, the, the, the fact that, that incarcerated people are, are sitting there and exposed to this COVID-19 virus, we, we, it seems like our country is under the impression that, the, that nothing can be done unless unless you you know beg these these public officials to 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 reduce these populations or go to court and get an order to have these people uh, released and so we're hearing about class actions and and complex legal proceedings a class action is one of the most complex legal proceedings imaginable but yet and still we'll be in subtly conditioned to, to believe that this type of resort to the courts is the only thing that's going to help and what we really need to be doing is, you know, just basically taking an enough is enough position and, and direct action and getting in our cars and having caravans, car caravans and signing online petitions, um, because the people who are in these facilities, they can't wait. You know, evidence is coming out that once someone is uh, symptomatic of, of the COVID-19 infection, even if you immediately move them to quarantine in these, in these facilities, most likely the, anybody and everyone who has been uh, in contact with that person uh, has a good chance of being uh, uh, infected. Uh, yet and still, um, we're being... We, we're being made to think that the advocates who are uh, bringing about these court proceedings, and, and we, we appreciate the court proceedings, but we're made, being made to think that they're the heroes when these proceedings are necessarily uh, time, they're, 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 um, they take a lot of time. And the people who, who are incarcerated don't have that time. The COVID-19 is not interested in our deadlines. So it's really about putting pressure on the political system to protect the health and the safety of these nearly, you know, one point, you know, more than a million, nearly two million uh, black people who are incarcerated, not to mention the 2.3 million people that the United States has incarcerated. Um, it's just important that we uh, show this public outcry. And right now, it, it's not happening. Right now, it's not happening. And, and you know, um, the the war, the, the 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 People's War Radio Show right now. You know, um, I, I want I want the, the listeners to know that 
you know, we're raging war right now. We're, we're, we're jumping up and down right now. You know, we got all these movements in the world that's taking place. We got the BLK. We got, you know, you know, um, you know, take down this statue, take down that statue, you know, knee to this flag or whatever. What we're saying right now is that if it's ever been a time for there to be a public outcry, when we say when genocide is taking place on our watch in the prison population in wake of this COVID-19, even before we had the COVID-19, prisons were horrific. People were being beat and raped inside of prison. People were being denied their proper medical treatment. You know, prisons are filthy. They're nasty. I mean, you know, it's just all kind of chaotic things that take place inside of the prison population. Now we got the deadly coronavirus and people are dying and suffering. And, you know, I just thank you for this show. I think it's an awesome opportunity, you know, for for, for, you know, the world to, to really hear and, 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 and know the truth about what's really going on in regards to um, how the prison population is being infested. You know, it's spreading like a wildfire up in there, the COVID-19. Our loved ones are suffering and dying. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our show today is entitled Black August and the Fight for Political Prisoners. Our guests are anti-prison activists and Black is Back Coalition members, Belinda Parker-Brown and Ralph Pointer. Belinda, what can listeners and supporters do to help free them all? Are there petition drives or other ways people can get involved? What can we do to support? Wow, I am very... um you know, honored and, and, and overwhelmed that you would ask that question. I, you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, it's time for action. Um, and, I, you know, I would like for Dr. Zena to speak. There are three petitions that we have uh, presented. Two of them are working on the international level. One is trying to put pressure on the federal government to uh, meet with a delegation to, so that we can talk about how all of this organized legal system abuse and, 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 and um, political uh, prisoners and oppression is, is, is um, uh, contrary to international human rights treaty obligations. The second is particularly important given the COVID-19 uh, response to, with regard to incarcerated populations. And that is the United States needs to be uh, a part of the International Criminal Court, because if we had more time, we could detail how very much the, the U.S. Supreme Court and the entire legal system, uh, our entire political system, is working its way towards a lack of accountability for these avoidable suffering, this avoidable suffering and deaths um, of people who are incarcerated in, 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 in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And then the, the more uh, local uh, consideration is we have a petition that uh, is demanding a, a meeting of the minds with uh, between Ms. Belinda, Louisiana United International, and Governor John Bell Edwards, Louisiana's governor. And another thing that we've created is a new multimedia website called Enforce the Eighth, and that, that's the number eight, T-H, 
enforcethe8.com. And that's really just a, a place where we can all go and we can create a record of what is really happening inside these detention centers and jails and, and prison walls um, so that we have a record and, and we can build on that record and seek accountability on local, national, and international basis. Now, um, Ralph, what is the way forward? How can people, uh, how can our listeners get involved? How can they help out uh, with your cause? Thank you so much for that question because that's the most important question. As Sister Belinda Parker Brown and as Zena Crenshaw said, made clear that we must exercise political power. And today, the world says we should fear Mr. Trump. But what we as people of conscience must do is to see how much the Democrats fear Mr. Trump, because if they do not accede to our demands of freeing our political prisoners, of dealing with our community in a just fashion, we will not vote for Biden or Kamala Harris and let them have Trump four more years. And when they say, uh, well, lesser of evil, well, we're not afraid of Mr. Trump. Are you afraid of Mr. Trump? We must exercise political power. And as Jaleel Montekin tells us, political prisoners in the 60s changed the political human rights structure in America and spread it all over the world. Everyone in the world knows Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, H. Rap Brown, or Jaleel Alamein, Kwame Torre, or Stokely Carmichael. Our political prisoners today could be freed instantly if they took it back, if they did not, if they denied their justice, denied the justice of their struggles. Now, people can help by going to the Jericho website and make a donation, click on the links and find Jaleel's petition and Matula Shakur's petition to let people know we are there, we are with you, we are with our political prisoners. And this will be a beginning of exercising our political power. We are the Back is Back Coalition and we are the political prisoners um, part of that coalition. Black power is a demand, but demand has to be more than a phrase, just like black power. It must be through what action? The action of co controlling our economic our economy in our neighborhood. We want to raise our neighborhoods to a status of ghetto. We have never been there. We're just a black community because we never controlled anything in our communities. And um, Black is Back will educate and inform. You will hear things when you tune in to, to this program over this weekend. To hear more from our guests, tune in this weekend August 15th and 16th to the Burning Spear YouTube channel for a two-day conference on political prisoners put on by the Black is Back Coalition for Social Justice, Peace, and Reparations.
For more information or to register and receive program details, visit blackisbackcoalition.org. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 in St. Petersburg, Florida. Our show today is entitled Black August and the Fight for Political Prisoners. Our guests are anti-prison activists and Black is Back Coalition members, Belinda Parker-Brown and Ralph Pointer. The People's War Radio Show is produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 in St. Petersburg, Florida. WBPU is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to defend the human and civil rights of the African community and address the grave disparities faced by African people in education, healthcare, and economic development. For more information on the African People's Education and Defense Fund, visit apedf.org. Episodes of the People's War Radio Show are available on the Black Power Talks podcast on wubp.podbean.com. For updates and resources to fight the coronavirus or to volunteer with Project Black Ankh, visit developmentforafrica.org. We'd like to thank our guests today, Belinda Parker-Brown and Ralph Pointer, for joining us. We would also like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Y'all can talk about all these viruses, and that's good, but you can't forget the main one. It's plaguing us, bro. Down with the colonial virus. 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 Colonial virus is why I can't live. HIV, that's colonial virus. 
Jovenel Moïse, Thessalonian virus, domestic violence, Thessalonian virus, sexual violence, Thessalonian virus, horizontal violence, Thessalonian virus, state violence, Thessalonian virus, gentrification, Thessalonian virus. Mass incarceration, that's colonial virus. Deportation, that's colonial virus. The need for constant inebriation, y'all, that's colonial virus. Attacks on black women, that's colonial virus. Attacks on black men, that's colonial virus. Attacks on black children, that's colonial virus. We can't take no more of this colonial virus. We say down with the colonial virus. 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 Yeah.